you're listening to Mysteries Beyond. What mysteries lie beyond the reach of our senses? And who are you in this vast multiverse? Hello, and welcome to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender. For this episode, I wanted to go over a true story that, until this day, remains a mystery. It's scary because of the unknown that it contains. It's high stress and paranoia-inducing. I will say this, it has more true crime elements than it does your typical paranormal. Although, some say it could possibly be cursed or haunted by a different kind of entity, as the events that occurred here still remain unexplained. The case I'm talking about today is the one titled The Watcher House. The story begins in June of 2014. Derek and Maria Brodus were a happy couple with three children who had just recently purchased their dream home. Located at 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey, the house was a six-bedroom, four-bathroom home. How big was this home, you wonder? It was 3,920 square foot with a half-acre lot. On June 2nd, 2014, they closed on this home, purchasing it for $1.3 million. And on top of that, they also invested $100,000 in renovations to make it more their own. Derek worked at an insurance company in Manhattan and became a senior vice president with a salary nice enough to afford this home. And Maria, his wife, was raised in Westfield and the house was actually just a few blocks away from her childhood home. Everything was going pretty well. In fact, Derek had just celebrated his 40th birthday while they were doing renovations in their new home. One evening, Derek had just finished painting one section of their home when he decided to go outside and check the mail. Among a few bills, he found a white envelope in thick, chunky handwriting. It was addressed, the new owner. And inside was a typed-up letter. The letter read, Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. 657 Boulevard has been in the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. 
Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Signed, The Watcher. <laughs> well, alright. You know, I'll give him this. It was a very unique way to welcome them into the neighborhood. One of the many things to note is that the only part that had handwriting was in the front of the envelope, where it read, The New Owner. Everything else was typed, including the signature. So there's not much to go off of. And they weren't being threatening, at least not directly. It's just strange. Also, these are just excerpts from the full letter. But also, the person who wrote this letter, the Watcher, he also went on to describe other personal details that the Broadus' family had, such as describing their car, which was a Honda minivan. And I don't have any children, but I'm assuming one would go into a protective mode. What do you do after receiving a letter like that? Besides amping up all of your security. I mean, after that, all of your neighbors become suspicious. I mean, it kind of makes me feel like this person who wrote the letter is someone who is obviously jealous, but maybe someone who has been eyeing this house and for whatever reason wasn't able to purchase it, and now they're using some sort of intimidation tactic to possibly get the family to move out? 
Another thing I should know is that the Broadduses purchased their home from John and Andrea Wood, and they lived there for more than two decades. And when they placed their house on the market, they had many potential buyers. And the first person backed out due to personal health issues, and the second person just simply found a better home that suited them. And the Broaduses were the lucky ones who ended up purchasing the house. So apparently when Derek opened the mail and read the letter, it was after 10 p.m. And he was alone, so he raced back inside the house, he turned off all the lights so that no one could see inside, and then decided to call the Westfield Police Department. An officer ended up coming over to the house, read the letter, and this is a direct quote. He said, What the fuck is this? I wasn't trying to be rude or anything. That was an actual quote. So the officer asked Derek if he had any enemies, because that might be a clue into who this individual could be. But I guess Derek couldn't think of any. So then Derek ended up rushing back to his wife and kids who were still living in their old home. And on that same night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods. They asked if they had any idea who the watcher might be, or why he or she had written. And the next morning, Andrea Woods replied. She said that a few days before moving out, the Woodses had also received a letter from the watcher. She said that the letter had been odd, and that the watcher also made a similar mention of the observation of the family, but that in the 23 years that they had been living in that house, they had never received anything like it, and so they didn't give the letter much thought and had thrown it away. And so that same day, the Woodses went with Maria to the police station, and the detective there, Detective Lugo, told them not to tell anyone about the letters, and that included the new neighbors because all of them were now suspects. And the following weeks, the Brodesses spent them on high alert. Derek even canceled the work trip. But one of those days, Derek ended up giving a tour of the renovation to a couple on the block. But he froze when the wife said, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Okay, so when I first heard the term young blood, and the way I interpreted the tone of the letter, it immediately made me think of some sort of blood sacrifice. But apparently, the term young blood is common in New Jersey. It's used to reference, like, fresh faces, new faces. But I could see how it would raise a red flag to Derek. Anyway, a few days later, the Broadus' contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign that he had hammered in the front yard had been ripped out overnight. And two weeks after the first letter, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. And she found another letter. And she immediately called the police. This time, the letter was addressed to Derek and Maria directly. But their last name was misspelled. So the correct spelling of their last name is B-R-O- A-D-D-U-S-E-S. And the watcher 
misspelled it as B-R-A-D-D-U-S, Bradus, instead of Broadus's, which led them to believe that perhaps the watcher had been close enough to hear their last name being pronounced. And the letter read, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unfold carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what's in the walls yet? In time they will. I am pleased to know your names now, and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. Is she the artist in the family? Okay, so at this point the Watcher was boasting about having learned a lot about the family, especially about their children. He identified the children by birth order and by their nicknames, but he was asking about one child in particular, their daughter. And in the letter, he mentioned that he had watched her use an easel to paint. The thing is that she was on a porch where you couldn't really see her from the outside. You could only see her from the side of the house and from the back of the house. So if you were walking or driving from the front of the house, you wouldn't have been able to see her. But the letter continued. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It's far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Brodus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard. And now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I'll be watching. So this individual 
is clearly wanting to let the Brodus' family know that he knows a lot of personal information. Like, they may know the layout of the house and the information about the children is something that anyone could have overheard. It's not like he's describing to a T what they had for dinner or their evening routine. But then again, they don't live there yet. And then again, there was that one time where he mentioned watching their daughter. And this had to have been either a neighbor from their side or a neighbor behind them. But the watcher was certainly succeeding at making them feel very uncomfortable. So naturally, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids over to the house. And then a couple of weeks later, a third letter arrived. And it said, Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. The house is crying from all the pain it's going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what it used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard, when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it's my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again, like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Alright, so it's kind of giving me a sense that this individual, the Watcher, may have been a neighbor who, when they were little, got to play inside the house. The thing about this house is that it's supposed to be in a really well-off upper-middle-class neighborhood. The town's population there at the time was about 30,000 residents, and it was the 18th wealthiest neighborhood in New Jersey. And actually, in the country, it was the 30th safest town to live in. And people would say that if you lived on the boulevard, you pretty much made it. So the obvious suspicion and or observation is that the Watcher might be someone who got upset over losing out on the house. But even though it was one of the safest neighborhoods, 
The Broadduses still set up webcams and even hired a personal investigator. And Derek became obsessed trying to figure out who this watcher person was. He apparently spent nights crouched in the dark, waiting to see if he could catch anyone watching the house, and figured out that the Langfords were the only ones there since the 1960s. Peggy Langford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children, who were all in their 60s, still lived with her. The family had a reputation of being odd, but harmless. But one of the younger Langfords, Michael, didn't work and was considered the most odd of them all. And he's described as a Boo Radley character from the book To Kill a Mockingbird. So if you guys have ever read that book in high school, he's a character in that book who is considered to be mentally underdeveloped. But he was kind, so Michael was that type of a person. So obviously Derek immediately suspected of him. But the thing was, Michael wasn't capable of writing letters like that because of his learning disabilities. And the PI, the police, had nothing to go off of. There wasn't a digital trail, no fingerprints, nothing. So, by the end of 2014, in December, the Westfield police told the Broadduses that they had run out of options. And a few months later, the renovations, which included a new alarm system, were finished. But just the idea of the Broadduses living there consumed them with overwhelming anxiety. So, about six months after the first initial letter had arrived the Broaduses decided to sell 657 Boulevard. But by then, it had turned into this big ordeal where many people found out what was happening with the house. And so, it didn't sell until 2019. So meanwhile, they had to rent it out, and even then, nobody really wanted to live in that house. The person that did decide to rent the house had a clause in their contract both parties came to the agreement that if the new residents received a letter from the watcher specifically addressed to them, they would be able to break the contract. But when it finally sold in 2019, the Broaduses took a huge loss. So they had purchased the house initially for $1.3 million, plus the $100,000 in renovations. And in 2019, it sold for $959,000 to the Carr family. That's a huge loss. But I guess it was worth it to the Brodus' family to be able to sell that house and restore their peace of mind. So there was a lot of speculation regarding this house. And apparently, years later, Derek Brodus admitted to writing the letters. But many believe he only did it as a sort of defense mechanism, kind of to fight fire with fire, perhaps so that, one, they would leave him alone, and two, to take away the Watcher's power. But when I first heard about this case, it caught my attention because it's still unsolved. It's still a mystery. Nobody knows who the Watcher was and or is. And it's a case that speaks to many 
people's curiosity. In fact, Netflix is going to be releasing a series. I think it comes out sometime next week. But what do you guys think? How would you have responded? Would those letters have been enough to intimidate you? To get you to move out? Or would you have challenged the Watcher? Because for me, I don't know if that would have been enough to have gotten me to move out. I feel like I would have needed a little more. But then again, I wasn't in their position. So let me know. You can reach me at lauralavender.mb at gmail.com or you can also friend me on Instagram at lauralavender.mb and you can message me through there. Also add me on TikTok at lauralavender.mb. I've been hanging out more there recently. But if you want to reach me, the best place to do so is by email and or on Instagram. Oh, and also don't forget to check out the website at www.mysteriesbeyond.com. And you can also leave me a voice message on SpeakPipe. You can record your message, listen to it to see if you like it. And if you do, you can submit it. And then once I receive it, I can play it on a future episode. Oh, and before I forget, a quick shout out to Jennifer, a quick shout out to Roxana, and a quick shout out to Kevin, who recently reached out to me by email. I just wanted to say hi, and thank you so much for doing that, and also thank you so much for your patience as I tried to get through all the emails that I have received recently. And with all that being said, thank you so much for listening to Mysteries Beyond. I'm your host, Laura Lavender, and I'll see you guys next episode.